course. We have this motto here at Renew of uh, imperfect people only. So it's funny because I, I think it's kind of like, it's, it's like maybe the game that we play here uh, in church. Man, I killed this thing, didn't I? I'll take it. I'll take yeah, it. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> Let me take that. Anyways, what I was referring to is that we say imperfect people only, but there's like this expectation, I think, in church where even though we say imperfect people only, but we have to do church perfectly. So I just want to say that is not the case here here at Renew. I just killed that stand, and um, um, as I said, uh, my name is Paul. I'm part of the preaching team and the leadership here at Renew. Uh, Pastor Wilson, he has, he started off in this series on the Gospel of Romans. Um, um, so for those who have been out or are visiting us for the first time, we've been working through this. Um, and as a brief introduction, it is one of the most theologically rich letters in which we learn about some of the most important implications of the Gospel and what that should mean for all of us who profess to believe in Jesus. So that's kind of what we're working through, and as you can see, the gospel for all. Um, I'm going to be covering the passage, Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 21, and I, I titled it Resetting the Game. We have this tradition here at Renew where, um, and I'm, I'm like tried and true, man. I, I do this every time, so I don't, I don't change it. We ask a question, and here's the thing. I'm, I'm, I, I'm just filled with hypocrisy. I'm sorry. But I, um, <laughs> I don't mind asking the question when I'm up here, but I don't, um, it's hard for me to participate. I, it's my personality, but here's the question, just to start us off. It's an icebreaker, but it is an interactive question uh, to discuss amongst yourselves. If you were to play one of, the th one of three games, which one would you choose and why? So here are your choices. Choice number one is The Hunger Games. Right? It gets better or worse, I don't know. Choice two is Game of Thrones. So if you don't know what these are, uh, just learn from someone else what it is and then make your choice. And the third one is The Game of Life. All right? So I actually only know one really, one of those, which is The Hunger Games. I actually don't know Game of Thrones, or I never actually played this game either, but why don't you take about five minutes, find a neighbor, find someone new, you can introduce yourself or catch up, and then go right into discussing uh, which game would you s like to see yourself playing and why. All right, uh, about one more minute or less to wrap up your guys' conversation. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm catching eyes with a few people, and it's that uh, awkward stare of, like, I don't know what more to say. So I, I feel your pain. Um, I usually uh, am in the restroom when, when one of the other speakers is asking questions. So if you catch me and you want to keep me accountable, you could, uh, you could uh, track me down and force me to talk to you. Uh, <laughs> I, um, you know... Preparing a, a sermon or, or working through uh, God's word to be able to share the teaching and, and what to gain from them, there, it's, you always, you're faced with what, you know, who God is saying he is or, or what he's communicating to us. And you learn about yourself. And I realize that 
I actually like playing games. Um, I'm, not, I'm not like a gamer, and I know that has a certain connotation in our day and age, but, um, you know, in Father's Day, I was telling the, the children's ministry uh, workers that um, they had, like, our kids write why they love their dad or what they like about him. And the two things that I remember Darren, my son, writing about is I like my dad or I love my dad because he plays video games with me. And then the other was, uh, I think, like, I love my dad because he reads me the Bible. So those are, in his mind, the two, two, I guess, of the same thing. It wasn't like my dad is hardworking or, you know, spends quality time with me. He plays video games. Um, and I could be adding the second about me reading the Bible. Actually, I don't really remember. I do that, but I'm not sure if that's as impactful of me just playing. Because he doesn't play the video games. He's of that age where he just likes watching me play video games on my tablet. So, um, and then recently, I think uh, Tiffany, my wife, was asking the kids, like, um, what, um, what do you think about dad? Or, what, like, what, what is dad, uh, dad to you? And then my son said something like, uh, he yells, and he plays video games for me. So it's just like, yeah, that's, that's, that defines me. Hello, my name is Paul, and I am a sinner, you know? You know, I, I refer to games because our lives can feel like a game at times. And it's not to describe our life so lightly, but, you know, in our day and age, games, what we think of games, the purpose is really to entertain. You know, like, whether it's a video game or a sports game, it's to entertain us. Or, you know, like a lot of us, especially if we're following a, a player or an athlete or a sport and we love it, it's more than just entertainment. It's like life or it's a following. But for the most part, when people say game, it's, there's this sense of uh, entertainment, just passing time. But, you know, I want us to understand games uh, in, in, in a different way. And basically, thanks to Google, I sat down and I Googled what makes a game or what is a game. And the best answer that I could find is a game is a system of rules in which agents compete by making decisions based on the system. So I'll say that one more time. Games are a system of rules um, in which agents compete. Agents could be uh, you know, a computer, another person, whatnot, teams, uh, by making decisions based on the system. You know, the fact is our lives can feel like a game because we all have been born and raised into a system of rules, whether we know it or not. But regardless if we are killing the game or being killed by the game, at the end of the day, this game we are all playing has only one outcome, and it's death. We all die, game over, the end. Um, I've been told by my wife and maybe by others, and I refer to myself, that I have a gift I have a gift of being a Debbie Downer. So if I've killed the mood, then I'm just exercising my gift. <laughs> I tell people I'm a realist. You know, I just see the way things are, and I just say it. You know, I recognize that we live in a system that's flawed, a system of the down, pretty much. You know, but as many of you know, and as many of you who have been with us in this series of Roman, uh, Romans, the book of Romans, is we know this game actually gets worse. 
because we find that the system we were born into was rigged against us from the very beginning. That all of us, regardless of what game we chose to play, whether it's the Hunger Games, Game of Thrones, the, life, uh, the Game of Life, you know, regardless of what game we choose to play with our lives, regardless of our starting lot in our lives, regardless of the details about our lives, and regardless of the rules that dictate our lives, at the core, the system is flawed. And to prove to you that I've done my research, so the Hunger Games I know, and I never read the book, so I'm not a purist. I just watch the movies. But, um, you know, like, the point, at least of the Hunger Games, not the whole story, is that you, uh, you need to, you survive. You survive by not dying. That's, like, literally the game. You know, don't die. You know, be Katniss Everdeen. That, that's, that'll ensure your, your survival. The Game of Thrones, I didn't really know what it was about. I heard about it, so I actually did some research. And, man, there's a lot of, like, wow. It's a lot of reading. So I skimmed through it, and basically... The Game of Thrones is literally different kingdoms, different people trying to rule a land, one land. And they're just all there together. And there's so much stuff, so I don't know. That's the best that I researched. That's what the Game of Thrones is. So it's about, like, it's, it's surviving by politicking. It's surviving by scheming, maneuvering, by, by, um, by being able to reign and put people in their place. It's about power, a power grab. And then the game of life, which surprisingly I never played, <laughs> so I actually had to Google that. And uh, and, and the, the premise of this game is really, it, it's going through life um, in, in this board game, being, you know, picking an occupation or whatever, and then, and then collecting your paycheck, and then being faced with life circumstances like getting married, losing a home, uh, having children, whatever. But the, the end of the game, you win the game by, by amassing the most wealth. So joining the millionaire club. And so literally at the end of the game, I don't know, I, like I said, I never play. I don't know like if someone calls it or if someone actually dies in the board game. But it's like at the end of the game, everyone just counts their money and whoever has the most money wins the game. That's that's the game. And the thing is, like, yeah, there's these circumstances like you could lose your job or whatever or or you get... Uh, someone else's salary, which is like $20,000 a year, and you just have to deal with it. And, and, and like, yeah, so you have these life circumstances. You have like 10 kids, and you have to still try to amass wealth and be a millionaire at the end and win that way. And so that's, that's this game of life. But the fact is, all of these games, the premise is surviving, and by any means possible, by the rules of the game. And as many of you know... <laughs> We, um, we learned the rules so that we could, we could rig the system because the system is rigged in itself. And because you realize that it's flawed, it's like it's, that's why it just boils down to the core. Something is wrong. Something is wrong, and I, I need to do what I need to do to get ahead in life. But... What gets worse is that at the end of the day, it doesn't matter the game. The outcome is the same. But when we die, game over is actually not the end because when we die, we are finally faced with the reality of eternal life or eternal death based on our choices when we were playing the game. You know, what I've been lightly referring to as a game, as I said, the Book of Romans has been describing 
as the undergirding circumstances of our lives. At the core of our lives, the game we are out playing is not a zero-sum game of winners and losers. As I stated, there are only losers. But how the gospel, the gospel that we're learning, that we know, that we believe, for those who believe, the gospel, our faith in Jesus Christ, is and should be the only solution for all of us who profess to be Christians. You know, Patrick, uh, who shared with us the message last week, where we left off, we learned about how Jesus reset the game for us. Through our faith in Christ, this game, our game, which whatever you want to call it, literally is a game of death. That is the core. He reset the game of death, and we're starting anew. That's a very simplified version and like my metaphor of, of it. So if you're lost, I'm deeply sorry. Um, I'm just trying to connect it to you. Because it's such a, it's such a, it could be a dark thing. And you know, I wrestled with that too because you know, Halloween's tomorrow and I'm like, oh, like talk about something that kid related. And, but it was going in a really dark place. So if this wasn't dark enough, then I just, yeah, I'm, I'm keeping it on this one because it's bright, but, um, <laughs> you know, so we're, we realize through the gospel that the game has been reset, but the question is what now? Since, you know, the, I'm sorry, the term reset, I don't even think we use that anymore. Like, you know, do we reset games? No, you just start over, right? Because on your apps and stuff, I don't know, do PlayStation still have reset buttons or Xboxes? I don't, do they? Yeah, okay. Well, either way, like, since the game has been reset, do we just continue as before? Do we just start a new game? Do we just start over? It's like, man, I had a crappy game, but it, I get to start over and I learn from my mistakes. Is it that? Is that, is that the life that we've been called to live? You know, I want to say that we'll see in today's text the state of this game. Once more, we're going to go into it. Um, the game that we came from, the game that we were born from, the game that's flawed and stacked against us. But once more, how Jesus not only resets the game, but is asking us to enter into something else, a new reality, a living and life-giving relationship, a reality where we are not trying to navigate a flawed system, but are being called to a righteous relationship, that even though we are still going about our lives, we are no longer trying to survive. We are learning to thrive. The challenge then for all of us is will we stop playing our various games, our various games of death, and choose to start living our lives with Christ? Where we um, are starting is, and I put on the title there just kind of like a summary of, of the, the particular verse that, or verses that we're going to go through. And so starting in chapter 5, verse 12, it says, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people because all sin. To break this down, basically, Adam's fall introduced sin into the world and death came as a result of sin. Sin came into the world through Adam. With sin came death. Death spread to all people because all people sinned. So if you look at the various stages, uh, that's just kind of how it breaks down. 
I'll say that one more time. Sin came into the world through Adam. With sin came death. Death spread to all people because all people sin. So like uh, AA or whatnot, that is what I'm saying. Uh, I am a sinner. We all are. Um, and given, I, I think, you know, there's always opposing messages or, or different perspectives or whatnot, but for those who we all, I, I would assume, know the creation story, but Adam is not just a name. It's actually a, a description. And um, a description as from the earth. Adam and Eve, if we know in creation, are the prototype or the pinnacle of God's creation as creator, who he formed humans, all of us, humankind, by melding the physical material of this world from the earth, the dirt, with a spiritual essence, his image. Male and female, we represent humankind in every shape and form, and they are in many ways Adam and Eve, or they are pretty much that prototype, that model for us. But because of that, we see um, there, uh, the sin, whether theologians would say it's original sin and just kind of like delving into this idea, depending on where you land, some people, they say the original sin is that because they're our prototype or we are from them, and there's many ways of looking at it. Some people say that when God infused in his way, when he infused the material world, our, like for those who are biologists, we all know like we, we come from atoms and stuff, and literally like it's this cycle and whatnot, like you know, you die and you become dirt, and then I'm breathing in my relatives and ancestors, and then a baby's born, and like literally you could look at it that way, the material world, but then there's something else. There's there's a soul, there's, there's a, an essence which is more that defines us, that we're not just defined by our bodies or by our, our, our physical self, but there's more, there's a spiritual essence, there's an image that God has imprinted in all of us, and only God knows how that was, but because of that, something like this idea of our genetics, the human genome of what defines us by the physical world of how we're human, that all the way since tens of thousands of years ago in the Garden of Eden, um, Adam and Eve, that we were there. So some theologians say like literally in his loins, like in his genetic DNA, in his code, we were there and we sinned with him. I don't, I don't know if that's, um, you know, if some of you guys believe that as the idea of original sin, but then there's this other idea that there's derivative sin, that even here, we still sin. It's the reality. So no matter how people tell us, oh, we're inherently good, it's just our environment or it's these outside influences. But, like, I mean, every year you can Google it once more. You could see every year there's a, a news article that says looking at the news, those who read the news can go into depression. There's just something wrong. There's something wrong at the core of it. And this, at least with the gospel or what we learn through the Bible, this is what's wrong, is that our prototype, who we are, where we came from, was a flawed system because of sin. Going on from there, we're going to read about sin and death regardless of the law. To be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. 
Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. Now, uh, for those who have been going through this uh, series, the Apostle Paul talks about this idea of the law. And pretty much what he's talking about here is that sin and death, they actually entered before the law was given. God met his people, the people of Israel, at that time, and he gave them his law, the law of Moses. But even before then, even thousands of years before he revealed his law of righteousness, his law and his decrees to his people, Adam, Adam sinned. Because God, we, we know in the creation story that God made everything perfect and good. And there was a tree, and he said, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But they did. And there was a rebellion, an act of rebellion, and sin entered the world through that, and there was death. And he warned them, do not do that, for you will surely die. Now, they didn't die right away when they ate the apple, and I think that's what they thought too, but there was more to death, and that shows the implications of what death is. Death is multi-layered or so. You know, we, there's death of our physical body, and that's the reality that all of us can, can whether we grasp it or not, it's, it's kind of impending. It's that outcome. But then more so, there's this spiritual death or this separation from, from who we are. If we're more than just matter, if we're more than just a baby born, if we were a creation of a creator, and our separation from him, after we pass from this life, what does that life to come look like? We see that people sinned, there was sin, and there was death, even before the law came. And, and so the Apostle Paul is just making it clear that even though this game that we were born into, a lot of us don't know the rules. We, we're taught the rules. We're taught how to navigate life. We're taught how to navigate other people were taught how to survive because that's what life is by any means possible survival of the fittest whatever just to get up get ahead whatever our lives can look like there's that premise and that's the system and that's the game that we're we're found in we don't even know the rules but when we learn the rules one we exploit them or two we just realize what we're doing wrong You know, even over those who did not sin by breaking command, we see that that pattern, that sin, defined the game. Going on from there, we're gonna, we see how Apostle Paul contrasts Jesus to, uh, he contrasts Jesus to Adam, and how Jesus kind of resets the game. He says that it's not a comparison at first. But the gift is not like the trespass, or the gift is not like the sin. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, Adam, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification." It's, it's kind of a hard uh, sentence to work through, um, you know, through its syntax or whatnot. But, um, you know, I, we all died because of Adam, but how much more can we live because of Christ? To sum up the first um, phrase, Adam's one sinful act resulted in judgment and brought condemnation, 
but many sinful acts that came after Adam, that were caused by Adam, many sinful acts still resulted in grace through Jesus Christ and brought us justification. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Death reigned over all through one sin, but how much more can life reign over all through God's abundant grace? So it's not an exact comparison. And so the idea is Adam's sin does not equal Jesus's um, obedience. What we see is that Jesus' obedience is greater than Adam's sin. And so the, the, the life that we lived, the life that we learned to live, the life that we learned to survive in, there's something more than that. There's, um, you know, my wife and I, we, um, we have this running joke where oftentimes while we're talking to each other about where we're at spiritually or just in life, or when we're arguing um, with one another, you know, when we're mad, or when we're correcting our children, <laughs> we start singing either out loud to one another or in our heads when we're correcting our children. We start singing the chorus of this one song by All Sons and Daughters. Uh, the song is called Brokenness Aside, but it's just, it's funny because when we're arguing or when we're correcting, it's like this song comes to our mind is, because I am a sinner. If it's not one thing, it's another. Caught up in words, tangled in lies. And it's, I mean, we, we, we kind of laugh at it, but it's like a sarcastic realization of living in relationship as flawed people, trying to raise flawed children to survive in a flawed system. And it's like, it's, it's funny, especially as those who parents, like your, your kids are like yelling at each other and they're just going at it and you yell at them to stop yelling, you know, or before like, they're, they're like, they're like hitting each other, and I'm not to say that, you know, uh, spanking or whatnot, I, uh, regardless of where you guys will find yourself, but it's like, it, there's a slight, like, I don't know, is it hypocrisy, or it's just weird, it's like, I'm going to spank you to stop hitting, and it's just like, does that make even sense? But it's like, we're, we're training our kids to live uh, in, this, in this system that's just, it's just jacked up. You know, and it's like, you, and so when we're like arguing or whatever, and it's just, that's the song that comes to mind is like, man, that kind of sucks. But that's in stark contrast that, that um, through Christ, that that game, that game no longer should define us. We see here through Jesus, grace and life for all. Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man the many will be made righteous. You know, um, I think as humans... Like, for those who play role-playing games or stuff, what, what does, like, you know, okay, like StarCraft or, sorry, my nerdiness is coming out. Um, I don't know, just whatever. Yeah, just these games. What, does, what, what is, like, one of the traits of the humans? Because it's like, so humans are, like, in the middle, or they're, like, just, they're, they're, they're the normal, right? Like, they're not short like a dwarf. 
you know, they're not stocky or whatever traits is a door for an elf or an alien or, oh man, I'm, I'm sorry, if, you're, if I'm losing you, just bear with me. But one of the traits that defines human in all these games is that humans are resilient. And it's true. You know, you'll find that from a, very, from a, ba from a child, how we learn to survive. Because when you live are living or are born in a flawed system, how do, how do we make it? You know, our self-preservation, protecting ourselves, we do it by any means possible. Um, like, you know, there's, there's could be one side, like you learn to, to, you learn people, you learn relationships, you learn that a community can get your back. You know, you learn that if you build good and solid and healthy relationships, that when you need something, there's someone there to help you. You know, that's, that's a trait that, that it's like, you know, that's a trait of survival. There's the other side. There's a lone survivor, you know, like, you learn that you can't trust anyone. Because if you do, ultimately, they will stab you in the back. And, like, you can't trust in anyone but yourself. You know, you learn that, you know, you got to find that job, that job that, that, can get you ahead in life, that can change the course of, of the direction of perhaps your whole family. Like uh, many of us who, whose parents, if we're just one generation removed of our parents who came here to America, there's the American dream and in all of its you know, glory and whatever it may look like, but they come here for a better life uh, for their children, for them and, and for their children, especially through their children. And the child then you know, becomes a doctor and just, I don't know, amps up the prestige that they could brag about. But, you know, it's like what, what we do, the one thing, that one trait, whatever that we did well of surviving becomes the one thing that kills us because it locks us into the system. See, we see here through Christ that he, did, he reset the game, but he's calling us to something better. I, I always say that, you know, when I realized why I like games is I'm analytical. I like figuring out systems. And in my fallenness, I like figuring out systems because I like to figure out how to exploit them. Every system has its rules. And, and so we're trained, we're taught to navigate it. And you know, of course, yeah, we don't exploit everything, but it's like we learn to move through it so that we can survive. That is the goal. But in Christ, we're not faced with the system. With Christ, we're faced with the person. And, you know, I'm not the most relationally intelligent person, but I realize that if I approach a person with the system in mind of, like, how to exploit them or how to get them to do what I want to do, that's not a very healthy relationship. And what's funny is that many of us, Many of us, even who believe, like we believe, we, we believe who Jesus is and we believe what he says uh, he, he's done, but it doesn't, for some reason, something's missing. It doesn't inform our life. We're still trying to apply the system to him, and that just doesn't work. You know, it's like he, he, he started us anew. He, he reset the game for us, and we're like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you've done. I got it from here. And we just try to play that same game. You know, like, we got the new hand, and, 
and we're still just trying to survive. And it's hard. I mean, it pains me. I think my wife and I, we struggle with this. It's a reality and of, of trying to not let that game dictate our lives. You know, where, where we move from here, the Apostle Paul, he brings the law back into perspective. And I, I labeled it more grace because of the law. But we see here the law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace may ra- might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Apostle Paul, he talks about the law. And to the Jews, and for many of us who believe, we can kind of parallel that, that we, we believe in Jesus and we believe in what he's done, and we feel the new beginning in our lives, and we feel like, okay, we have another perspective, or we have a new reality in which we can live. But just like the law to the Jews, we try to apply that system. And even to the Apostle Paul, he talks about the law, that the purpose of the law was not to bring life. It actually did the opposite. The law just showed them what they were doing wrong. And when you're faced with those rules, and rules that are like just because a system is flawed, it's stacked against you that when you see the rules in which it, what it looks like to be righteous or to live holy, when God says, be holy for I am holy, you realize that, man, even if I think a thought that's not what God would want, all, I, I've sinned. And it's like you break one sin, it's as if you broke it all. That, that kind of sucks, man. What game is like that? The psychology of games is that a game, what makes a game good, one of the aspects, is that it could be beatable. Because if it's not beatable, no one wants to play it. But we're all stuck in this game that we can't win by ourselves. And even the rules, they don't teach us how to win. They just show us that, we're, that we can't win. And so we see here, though, that there was a purpose to the law, the law that God gave, we see how much more in what Jesus has done. Because we realize that game that we play, that we're playing, that we still play, that we will struggle with, regardless of what stage in life we are. As a teenager, self-identity, whatnot, like the peer pressure of high school, I'm so removed for that, I can't even give good analogies of that. But, you know, like, I'm a systems guy, right? So I like looking at decades. And, and I like looking at what defines perhaps your different stages of your life. So the 20s, I hated the 20s, man. My 20s is like, you're like, who am I? You know, what am I gonna do with my life? Who, like, it's just, it's a hard stage. And if you're in there, I feel for you. But like, you know, you move through there, you, you, you meet the right person, you get married, you have kids, you're in your 30s and you're just grinding it. Life is such a grind. It doesn't look like it's moving anywhere, but you're just, you're just trying to make ends meet, you know? And then 40s, I'm not even there, and so I talk to other people, and it's not, someone told me the 40s is like, the, the 30s I enjoyed, one aspect, is that I no longer ask the question, who am I? It's like, what am I gonna do, you know? And so like, with the who am I question out of the way, you just know what you're about. So you're like, eh, it's no more like, oh, maybe I can do that, I'll try it out. It's like, no, no, it's like, I need, a, I need to provide for my family, or I need to provide for myself, and it's like, I'm just gonna do this. But then, like, 
You know, someone told me in your 40s is like, everything you thought you knew in your 30s just goes out the window, and it's like you're back in your 20s, but now you have money, and that's why people have, you know, this is, this is the system. This is our game of life, or our game of death, you know. We, um, and we're stuck in it, and that's, that's, that's what sucks, because it's like we didn't have a choice, but we're, 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 we're participants, we're agents of that. But we see here that the law or the rules, yeah, we're tempted. In our natural bent, in, since our birth, being raised in a flawed system, we try to bring our relationship, our faith in Christ, into that system, and we make it a religion. Where it's like, it's, it's a matter of let's don't do this. You know, don't sleep with my uh, boyfriend or girlfriend and don't, you know, stay away from that. And it's just, that's, you're still operating in that system. You know, we know a game by its rules. What makes baseball baseball? The rules of the game. There's a small ball, the details, the bats, whatever. Baseball is not basketball, which is not swimming, which is not tennis. Games are defined by their rules. The law defined the rules of our game. And that game was death. Grace shows us the reality of a life that's not a game. It shows us the reality of a life that Jesus is calling to. It shows us the person, the person of Christ. And for us who believe, we know that he did not just die and stay dead. And these are just his teachings of a better life. But we know that he raised from the dead he is living. It's a living relationship. It's a little different because, yeah, it's, it's hard. Like, relationally, it's hard for me to be in relationship with the physical person in front of me, right? How much more so a spiritual relationship? But then even so, we know that Christ, when he, before he ascended to heaven, he said, I will send another. It will be God in you. His spirit is with us. And so I know both Patrick and, and Pastor Wilson, they, they mentioned to it that this game that has been reset, we are being called to something more, something better. And it's not just leveling the playing field because the game sucked. It's more than that. The relationship that we need, the relationship that we are created for, the source of our life, why we were birthed, why we live, why we walk, and our purpose, that relationship is given to us freely and in abundance. It is the gift of God. That's the life. And granted, I, I, I know it could go a different way or understanding like, oh man, then do I not look for a job and do I you know, go out to the mountains and become a hermit and just worship the Lord and spend the days of my... No. We see through Christ what it means to live in relationship with God. I struggle, my wife struggles, what it means to surrender. I don't know what that means because I know what it means to, to survive. I know what it means to fashion my life, to make the right and wrong choices to survive here and now. But God is calling all of us. God is calling me. 
God is calling all of us to learn what it means to thrive in a life with a living relationship with his son. And he doesn't leave us alone like we must, I don't know, claw up to the skies. But he comes to us. He comes near to us. Jesus was called Emmanuel, God, God with us. God has drawn close to us. And through his spirit now, he makes his dwelling in us. Everything that we learn through the Bible, his temple that, that the Jews or the people of Israel built became a symbol of God's presence among their nation. God was with his people, and he filled the temple with a physical manifestation where he filled it with just, I don't know, his presence, and it was like smoke, and it filled the temple, and it overflowed out. That picture we see now through Christ is each and every one of us are his temple, and his spirit is with us. And it's hard then. Because that's like this dual reality that we face. One, we are locked in. We are wired. We know nothing other than to survive and fashion and make the right, meet the right people. Like I said, regardless of what stage, you will find yourself reverting back to that. But the fact is that there is another option. And it's not another game, and it's not another system. It's a person. That's Jesus. And that's what we, we will continue to be faced. Will we play the game? Will, what game are we playing? Or will we constantly learn what it means to live, to thrive in a relationship with God? Let's pray. God, um, I pray, Lord, that you, you can encourage us. I know that it's, it can be very difficult. It can be very, it, at times, it can be defining of our realities. We feel we're still defined by the rules of our lives, of the rules of the systems that we are learning to navigate, learning to survive, not knowing what it means to actually thrive, not knowing who we are, who you created us to be, knowing that only you can show and reveal to us, to give us a life that's thriving, to give us a life that's abundant, to give us a life that's defined by peace and hope, something that the system that we live in knows nothing about. I pray, Lord, each and every one of us, your spirit, for those who believe, for those who desire to believe, can fill us like you filled your temple, can show us your way of life, can show us a life abundant, can help jolt us, reset the system, but don't allow us to bring you into that system, but bring us out to a relationship with you. I pray you would bless us, that you would continue to hold on to us and make us more like you. We pray this in your name. Amen.